Randy Morin, ricochet journalist arrested at Edmonton Camp Police Raid. Department of Fisheries and Oceans Canada has ordered all egg-laden lobsters to be killed, though no one seems to have gotten the message. Alberta's Turkish Tylenol voyage gets worse. Press coverage at major Canadian newspapers favor Israeli victims of terror over Palestinian ones. A mass grave has been discovered behind a Mississippi jail, and Al-Shabaab has captured a UN helicopter. Good morning. It's Thursday, January 11th. I'm Nora. Here are your headlines. First, an update to a story I mentioned yesterday. Brandy Morin, the journalist who I told you to check out covering the encampment raids in Edmonton, was arrested with obstruction of justice. That is a criminal offense, and she posted about it on Twitter. Jack Farrell from the St. Albert Gazette, also on Twitter, noticed that the name of the officer that appeared on Morin's arrest sheet was a candidate in 2015 for the Wild Rose Party. Arresting and intimidating journalists is not cool, and certainly not when the journalists are watching something as sensitive and important as an encampment raid. Just think, as a journalist, you can either be the one parroting a police propaganda line, or you could be the one who the police arrest. Always look for the journalists who the police want to arrest. Police also arrested Roy Cardinal, an elder and resident of the camp who tried to work with police to make sure that the raid was done as safely as possible. In minus 22 degree weather, they took him down to the ground while he was bleeding from the mouth. That also was caught on camera. I know that you listen to this news podcast because you can't get this content anywhere else. And for that, I say to you, ACAB. Now, news from the capitalism is awesome and efficient file. Yesterday, it was pot. Today lobsters. Canada has ordered that all egg-bearing female lobsters be killed. Wait, do male lobsters carry eggs? Someone tell me if male lobsters carry eggs or if this is just a redundant phrase. Here's the thing. The order for the mass lobster slaughter has been in effect for two years, but no one has seemed to notice. CBC News's Paul Withers is reporting that many lobster businesses aren't actually aware of the directive. It's been made to try and stop the spread of invasive species. Withers says that the order was released quote-unquote quietly. It is currently legal for lobster caught in one province or the state of Maine to be stored in a facility for weeks or even months in another province. And sometimes, if the lobsters are bearing eggs, they can be released where they have been stored. I'm not sure why Maine got itself on there and not like Rhode Island, but I'm sure there's some historical reason for that. Withers talked to Osborne Burke, the president of the Nova Scotia Seafood Alliance. Burke was surprised to hear about the directive and said that he wasn't even sure how they were expected to kill the lobsters. Standard procedure for him is to release them rather than killing them. Normally, lobster producers would release these lobsters rather than kill them. Next to Alberta, remember that children's Tylenol that that province got from Turkey as a kind of screw you to Health Canada in the face of a shortage of children's cold medicine? Well, it turns out that the Turkish acetaminophen threatened the health of newborns. The medicine made by Atabay Pharmaceuticals is thicker than what Alberta health services usually use. This clogged some feeding tubes that were used to deliver the medicine to patients in some cases. Tubes that had to be flushed with water, which isn't ideal because the water has to go into the stomach of the patient. 
The medicine's higher volume increased the risk of something called necrotizing enterocolitis. That inflames infant intestines and can be fatal. When it was discovered that the medicine did this, AHS ordered that NICUs across the province stop using the medicine, though they didn't say how long it had been used for. AHS said that no babies were actually made sick as a result of using the acetaminophen. The news was uncovered by the Globe and Mail's Alana Smith. Through 28 pages of emails between officials within the health ministry and AHS, we can see that they discovered this and were concerned about the thickness and impacts of using this acetaminophen. There are other problems too. The medicine is more bitter and required higher doses, which made it difficult for older children to swallow. Doctors were reporting that children were gagging and refusing to take it. There was also a problem with labeling because Atabay acetaminophen looks similar to Atabay's ibuprofen. That could have been a disaster if a patient needed to avoid taking one or the other. The government is hilariously still on the hook with Atabay for $50 million more in products. Now, they paid upfront for 3.5 million bottles of medicine, but only 1.5 million bottles actually made it to Alberta. Of that, just 13,700 bottles were distributed to hospitals and pharmacies. One email showed that officials were hoping that Atabay would request from Health Canada approval for IV acetaminophen so that the province could fulfill the rest of their order by asking to use the IV acetaminophen. Health Canada told the Globe and Mail that they have not received a request relating to importing IV acetaminophen. Next to news from Martin Lukacs, Katia Oinis, and Ben Cuthbert at The Breach. The three have analyzed how Canadian newspapers have reported on Gaza, and they found that Israelis have been given disproportionate attention compared to Gazans, in particular in how their deaths are reported and how humanized they were and who killed them was more clearly and more often identified. The analysis was done of the Globe and Mail, the Toronto Star, and the National Post. It took dozens of deaths for Palestinians to get a single mention of them dying in the newspapers, but for Israelis, there was one mention for every two Israelis who died. They usually used passive language as well when talking about Palestinian deaths, while Hamas militants usually were said to have killed Israelis directly. Among the three different papers, it took 17 Palestinian deaths to warrant a single mention of a Palestinian death in the Toronto Star, 20 Palestinian deaths in the Globe and Mail, and 30 Palestinian deaths in the National Post. For Israeli deaths, all three newspapers had the same ratio, two deaths to one mention for Israelis. As for blame, in the Toronto Star, 87% of Israeli deaths were blamed on Hamas, but 55% of Palestinian deaths were blamed on Israel. The numbers are lower at the National Post. 74% of Israeli deaths are linked to Hamas, while 49% of Palestinian deaths are linked to Israel, and 75% of Israeli deaths in the Globe and Mail are linked to Hamas, while 44% of Palestinian deaths are linked to Israel. You should go and check out the investigation at The Breach because it also includes graphs that are interesting to look at. And if you're wondering why the protests have been so important, it's because Canadian media has been working very hard to manufacture support for Israel showing in the streets that there is widespread popular support for Palestinians and for an end to the siege of Gaza is critical if our mainstream media is going to be dishonest about what is actually happening in Gaza. Next to Mississippi, 215 bodies have been found in unmarked graves in a cemetery behind the Hines County Jail in Jackson. Some of the families didn't even know that their loved ones had died, and many had no idea that their bodies were tossed into a pauper's grave. 
Fox News 26 in Houston is reporting that the investigation started when Dexter Wade was killed by a police officer who hit him with his car. His family was never told what happened, and he was buried at this mass grave. Silky Slim Reed and Ben Crump worked to figure out what had actually happened, and it led them to this mass grave. Wade was carrying ID the night that he died. The medical examiner gave Wade's ID to the lead detective, who claimed that he tried to make one call and contact the family, but no one answered, and he never tried again. There have been six more bodies found in this mass grave with similar circumstances, reports Fox. Bodies weren't embalmed before they were dumped there, and Fox News calls the graves shadow graves. So buzzards and scavengers have been around the site, and it also reeks, as you can imagine. And finally, to central Somalia, where a UN helicopter has been captured by Al-Shabaab in the Gal Gadud region. Al-Shabaab captured the helicopter after it had landed, and they took at least six of the nine people on board. The helicopter landed because of a technical problem. Inside were military personnel and one third-party contractor, reports Al Jazeera. Two of the passengers are Somali men and, quote, several foreigners, unquote, were on board. The Somali government has not commented. Those are your headlines for Thursday, January 11th. I'm Nora. Oh my gosh, we got like 40 centimeters of snow yesterday or something. It's been amazing to dig out. I hope that you are in a winter wonderland as well. I mean, I guess maybe sorry, Southwestern Ontario and Vancouver. Where else wouldn't be? Anyway, you are listening to this podcast at sandynora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and anywhere you get your podcasts. I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you tomorrow, which by the way, it's Friday. <laughs>